you're probably more used to being on the other end of these things, right? Right now, yeah, actually. Um, yeah, which is kind of funny. <laughs> There's like a hierarchy to these things. Like you're like, I'm like a step below you. <laughs> I'm like I'm the, the, the that, reporter but... that's reporting on the reporting. <laughs> that's kind of a fun way of thinking about it. Cypher Dylan and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram at diaryofdoom, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com and subscribe and listen to the podcast, the podcast. Subscribe and listen to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. If you have a question or want to pitch me something or just feel like uh, giving me some shit, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And joining us for this week's chapter is Caroline Harrison, who is an artist based out of Brooklyn. And she's done a lot of cool, morbid artwork uh, for a lot of cool people. And thank you for coming on. Yeah, Dire thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I listened to your Steve episode, so, yeah. Yeah, that's how I, uh, well, it wasn't precisely how, but it was how uh, it was sort of affirmed that I was familiar with your work. Um, uh, Steve name-dropped you a couple of times and then, you know, made the connection between that and uh, the St. Vitus shirts that came out um, as part of their big GoFundMe. Caroline did the artwork for that. That was probably, like, the most recently... Uh, big thing you did uh big profile thing that you you have done um but obviously before that you've done a lot of other work um so i figured you know it's all gotta start somewhere yeah. uh, so you, um are you a music fan before you are an uh like an art fan slash artist or vice versa or does that go hand in hand for you i think you can't really separate the two of them um not for me anyway i i was always really into both music and art um when I was a kid so kind of evolved kind of in tandem and I feel like um artwork and I, I've probably have said this on every podcast where I've spoken to like an artist from the metal scene uh it just it always feels like the artwork is so important to the whole package of metal and like metal adjacent bands um <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know how we feel about that, but I feel like it's so important because it is just such like a lot of like very like striking imagery, um, whether it be something very like gross and like kind of vile, like a death metal cover or yeah. sort of like a like a spooky, ghoulish, like black metal kind of vibe or your sort yeah. of like classic, you know, 
wizards and uh you know dragons and and sorcerers and stuff like that and smoke for like your kind of like power metal and doom metal stuff or like weird aliens in space yeah there's all that kind of stuff arm of things yeah i don't know actually that's that's probably one of the reasons that i do so much stuff like in metal is because that's just those are the people who give a shit about what Mm -hmm. stuff looks like in a way that i think a lot of other genres don't and like just because um because it also is this sort of like diy kind of like self-funded but not self-funded all the time but like self-funded self-propelled kind of um scene you get a lot of people who have more creative input on what they put out and so, like, you'll be, you'll talk to, like, the actual bands who'll be like, oh, like, I really want, like, this cool thing. So they get to, like, look into artists, find artists. They don't have some, like, crazy, usually, like, art direction for, like, a photo shoot or, like, some shit like that for album covers or t-shirts. So I think people who listen to metal just get, like, a lot more excited about that stuff. And the people who get really excited about metal because they listen to it often end up making metal and like being in bands and stuff like that so i think there's like a lot of kind of um i I think that stuff kind of all feeds back into itself uh in a really fun and exciting way i don't know i don't know where else i could get somebody to like let me draw the stuff i want to draw yeah um um, it doesn't really if if nobody if if anyone out there is not familiar with caroline's work it is um i think i here, I, I think I would sort of describe it as like some of it as like vintage macabre. Um, it's it, it's in some ways, at least like the pencil and ink works sort of yeah. reminds me of like old anatomy drawings, but crossed yeah. with like creepy stories to tell in the dark kind of stuff. I don't know if that is like accurate. Yeah, to, I mean, like to a point, everybody's got their own stuff. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of work mostly in like uh, pen and ink. Um I definitely spent a lot of time looking at like weird anatomical illustrations because I've got kind of like a weird science history of science interest. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I've like properly studied it, but like stuff that was related to that was like my minor in college. So I like have always taken kind of excuses to just learn about weird diseases and stuff like that. So um, I think the there's sort of a question of like whether that feeds into my art or whether my art fuels my interest in that sort of stuff and I I don't know that they really separate out it's kind of like the music thing I always just had like a weird interest in like anatomy and science and how bodies worked but you know not not as much from like an academic standpoint but more from like a curiosity kind of standpoint if that makes sense yeah like what can we do with the human body like in in terms of well like what you can do with your artwork and it's uh it's not like um some you know horrifying like you know shuggeth lovecraft like blob thing with teeth it's like uh, it does feel like you actually you kind of play by the rules of your of your own anatomy like it's we're pushing this far but it's not to the point where it's like completely otherworldly yeah it's like it's a lot less like supernatural i think um than a lot of stuff gets uh and i think part of that also is just because i don't know i think i think you don't really have to look outside of like the plane of human existence to really find Mm -hmm. some scary shit um especially lately (laughs) Um, yeah exactly but yeah i don't know i was was always kind of like 
with like death and disease and like you know all that stuff um there was definitely just like an interest in kind of how that could be horrifying like I don't know if uh you ever read things like the yellow wallpaper the short story by I want to say Charlotte Perkins Gilman um it sounds vaguely familiar it's something that like a lot of high school english classes get taught Mm -hmm. um but it's a story about like a woman who's basically going through postpartum depression and she like at the time the story was written it was like early 1900s ish i think um the sort of the treatment for that was like oh well you need lots of rest so they just like would like shut these women away in rooms and like not talk about par- like postpartum depression or mental illness in general, but it would sort of be like that. Um, and so the story is just about this woman locked in a room, just slowly driving herself insane. Uh, so like we don't want to deal with the problem. Yeah, we're just gonna close it up and let it exactly get to a point and where fester. Uh, and fester and get to a point where uh it's completely out of control. So now we can like lobotomize yeah. somebody or like put them on like yeah. heavy drugs or something so like yeah you know. exactly and like the history of mental health care like period as like a, a a thing and you do see this like in i i haven't read a lot of lovecraft but the lovecraft that i've read um just like a few short stories where it focuses on like the weird like medical horror side of things mm-hmm. um and like I, I think there's sort of like a precedence for it in that sense, but I, I think I was always kind of drawn to it because, um, in addition to just like having a few random like minor chronic issues myself, like, or like you know when something was wrong with me, I would like research the shit out of it. Um, so like I can still like rattle off like a bunch of Snapple facts about like mono because when I got mono in high school, I was like, well, I'm just gonna sit here and Google this for fucking a week in between naps and Dawson's Creek reruns. Um, <laughs> so like, but I, there was also like, I, I, growing up, I always had this like very like strong, like feminist streak. And with uh, the hip medicine, especially there's this like weird, creepy paternalistic model to the way doctors would interact with patients. Um, and then on top of that, you would have like the, the medicalization of like strong willed women being just like, you would be like pathologized as a hysteric. Yeah. Um, so like that whole history I thought was really interesting. Joan of um, Arc is a witch, you know. Yeah, but like maybe she just that. had migraines. Like, yeah, exactly. Because there's this thing where you get migraines with aura and you just like hallucinate before a migraine a little yeah, bit. Yeah, my girlfriend gets those. Yeah. So she has had she has a long history of the aura kind yeah. of stuff and she says it's uh uh, quite sickening uh <laughs> and bad yeah I, I i'm lucky that i don't have that issue but i do i do know some people who've had it and i it sounds fucking miserable but like hildegard von bingen the um she was this like medieval nun who wrote some of like i don't know if it was like the first notated music but she like was a a, a nun who wrote a lot of this like beautiful vocal music and they think that she had these like crazy migraine auras that would just like sort of help her hear stuff maybe i don't know hmm, i don't know a lot about hildegard beyond like really pretty music and maybe migraines <laughs> um so what was like the first thing that caught your eye that made you say you want to draw and like what were your earliest experiences with that i mean i, I think drawing's kind of interesting because it's sort of like foundational to like the way that all of us learn yeah like, as kids like as kids all of us draw right 
Yeah, like it's you all draw... part of like your basic art, like just not even art class. Not just even art, like just because you're a kid. Like it's it's your ability to like draw stuff and like represent like a human on a piece of paper. Like you can actually chart like developmental progress for children mm-hmm. by like how well they're able to kind of like make a person. Um, not like how well they draw, but like how well they can understand like what constituent parts like make up a person. I don't know. Um, it's like watching my uh, my little sister. Um, she's like go from like being little and like yeah. I this is a blob, and my dad yeah. like look at this picture. I'm like that's a pretty good dinosaur for like a yeah. Like girl. all of a sudden, like things start clicking, and like yeah, uh, it's funny because like when you. When you're a kid, like everyone draws and then at a certain point, someone starts to like talk you out of it or like at a certain point, there becomes this idea that some people are just good at it and other people aren't. And then like the people who quote unquote aren't just kind of stop. Yeah. Which is bullshit because like, yeah, okay, there is some level of like aptitude for it, but that also only takes you so far Um, unless you're a total freak, in which case like... Well, like I, it's like yeah. that value of the, you know, I mean, you know, you could go on a, I think you could go on a whole other podcast about like the, about like us. the value of the of arts versus like you know the sciences and like math they're not separate and, though, and, they, and that's no, they're that's not. The thing, is they didn't really used to be separate either. Like in order to be a naturalist, you used to be able to, like, you used to need to be able to draw because you didn't have a camera disposal. So like if you were like a scientist of some description or a naturalist, you need to like go out into the field and then like make sketches of the shit that you saw and then like come back with those sketches. So like it was originally like a part of like a classical education. I was going to argue it's more just like the product of like capitalism because art doesn't make money. It's the institutions. (laughs) It's like the institutions behind art that like make the money and now become the things that make money off the artists. So it's well, but and it's also it's funny though because like art and money have always been really sort of like like they've had a a a, a sort of weird codependent relationship. Like if you think about like the medieval patronage system and shit like that, like you know, sort of art for art's sake has always been like something that really has only been for the wealthy not like always obviously but like and and it still is to some extent just because the the barriers for entry because to your point it's I I don't make a living doing this I have a day job like yeah um the barriers to entry are real high uh and so it's something where like if you like come from money then like it's a lot easier to do it but otherwise you just kind of have to like win a fucking lottery and it's a lot easier to do that if you're you know like not to get weird and political about it, but it's a lot easier to do that if you're a white dude. So yeah, absolutely. Just like statistically speaking, especially in art and like the gender, the gender and racial, racial, um, I guess gaps that exist professionally are just like even worse in the art world than in most other industries. So I mean, it's just kind of a fact. I mean, yeah, (laughs) you just, all you had, all you had to have to do to like, if you needed like an easy like perspective on it, just read literally read like any book on Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, there's that for like, sure. One. Yeah, there's also this. There was this art collective. I think they still exist actually, called the Gorilla Girls in, uh, shit like the '90s, especially. I think was kind of when they got famous, maybe the late '80s. But they would go through and they would tally up like, all right, how many female artists are in this year's Whitney Biennial? Like, how many artists of color? Like 
that kind of thing. And like the numbers haven't really gotten much better. <laughs> it's been like 20 years, 30 years. Shit, I'm old. Um, yeah. So eh, it is certainly a bummer. But I mean, like that's that's I don't know. It's that kind of thing is just kind of it exists everywhere. It's it's like worse in art and also like worse in specifically like metal art. But like metal art doesn't make any fucking money anyway. So it's all about who you know. Yeah, and like that is there is just like so much um, crossover. Just people doing like um, they want to work with people that they like and respect. <laughs> And they're cool, so which is neat because I think sort of in this like third wave of or whatever wave of metal we're oh, yeah. in, this current wave where you you it you can see a lot of like crossover material and crossover artistry, sort of like tapping into each other, you know, because like you know just like to use yourself as an example, like Piron and Sun, and I'm not super familiar with Piron, but like I've heard a song or two uh, to know that they don't sound anything like Sun. They're two very yeah. radically different um, entities, but there's just something about it that is it works for you, where your art represents both of their concepts in a, in a way, yeah, and bridges a gap. Well, and I think like the the Piron example is definitely like very different from the the Sun example, just because um, like I one of my one of the members of Piron is my like partner of like thirteen years, so um, that could have something you to know. do with it. <laughs> but like it, that one also is more like um, I got a good understanding for their sound, and like my work kind of happened to be a good complement for it. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically any work that I've ever gotten that's not Puron um, has been because someone saw what I did for Puron or they saw work that I did because somebody else saw what I did for Puron. And then they're like, oh, shit, that's that's actually pretty cool. Like, would you, like your aesthetic is something that I'm interested in. Um, so in that sense, it's like the, the aesthetic between like a, a Puron uh album cover and a sun t-shirt might not be like the same thing but both of those are things that I did because somebody kind of like saw what I was doing and thought that it would be like a good fit for what they were going for if that makes sense so it's kind of a word salad but <laughs> no it makes sense I I think it makes sense um so like artistically who are your main influences um shit I I there are a few things that I like more than just like staring at visual art so it's a long list um mm -hmm. but like off the top of my head um there's this woman Allison Summers who's just like absolutely batshit insane in all of the best ways um she does these like crazy intricate paintings of like it's like anatomical in a way but it's not it's like weird like rotting flesh I don't know and like her work is just incredible. Uh, I guess uh, like classically, there are definitely a lot of people. Oh like, wow, that is yeah, right. Very striking artwork. Oh, she's she's nuts. She's absolutely nuts. Um, and I mean that as like the highest form of praise. Her work is like unfucking real. It's kind of um, it's kind of like Dali, but like yeah, somehow makes more sense. Yeah, a little bit like a science, like somewhat <laughs> of like not a science element to it, but like a medical textbook well because uh, also 
Yeah, well, and Dolly has this thing, and a lot of the surrealists had this thing where, like, it, you know, it was surreal, but it, it, like, sort of existed in this, like, very specific visual idiom where, like, things were a little bit more fake looking, but also, like, there was a lot of really hard edges in a lot of Dolly's stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Allison's work is like a little bit like fleshier and meatier and like really There's like not as about blocks and like melt yeah, not as metal, or like you know, you know uh, elephants on stilts or whatever yeah, um, but I think with those guys too it was like um, they were really about kind of creating like an environment I mm-hmm. think like a, a real sort of like world building thing yeah um, where I think a lot of Allison's work it does kind of work within like a world that she's constructed for herself but she's like up a to to all of the things in it if that makes sense it like she's not really like, um it's almost like a it's more of like you're getting like not a diagram but like you're it's like you're under a microscope and you're getting yeah. like a nice big presentation of this little yeah. like square of her of her exactly site. or like you're in the process of dissecting something and you're like yeah. really shoving your face up close into it um but yeah she's definitely one um shit i don't know there are so many people uh i really like sally mann um she's a photographer um who does all of these like she does a whole lot of stuff um but i think i especially really like um she has this series where she goes and she uses these like very big analog pieces of i think they're plates of glass um as her photographic substrate or photographic negative, and she takes photos of um, Civil War battlefields. She also does a lot of, like, amazing, like, really lush, like, sort of Southern Gothic landscapes. Um, she did some amazing stuff uh, on a body farm where she photographed a lot of bodies in these, like, various st- states of decomposition. Um, yeah. Know, she's, she's a big one, too. So. It's pretty grim photography. Yeah. I mean, like the you'll you'll notice a theme that a lot of the shit that I like tends to be like a little bit grim. <laughs> well, I I like this stuff too. It's very. I mean, I I like the aesthetic of it because yeah. it's um a lot of this kind of this artwork. Um, it usually helps me like just really relate to an album because if you yeah. look at pictures like this and you have like I don't know maybe you have like a maybe you have like a nice photograph book collection of of some yes. work like this and you put on like a record and or you know you you're there and, stare at it. and you look at it it helps to like paint that that imagery um yeah like, for sure um I I remember we went to go see Bell Witch and mm-hmm. they performed their entire Mirror Reaper album and uh, I think I literally just talked about this on the last episode, um, but it might have been in the preamble or something. But uh, the the um, the footage that they played was a, it was um, oh they did projections they did a projection and they had all yes. this old footage and it was like I don't know if it was industrial era America or like somewhere in Europe, but it yeah. just, everything felt very like filthy and like not filthy like oh it's like slimy like just like dusty and like every like it was almost like kind of difficult to breathe and it yeah totally and uh it really just helped illustrate that album which is obviously incredibly somber yeah Uh, and just to the credit of them being great musicians the next time i saw them they played a set that sounded nothing like that which i thought was so cool yeah if if they ever tour again um godspeed you black emperor often has these like crazy visuals getting projected i think i saw 
I think the only I think the one time I saw Godflesh, they also had visuals, but um no, but the 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 only times I've seen God is like insane and the band does them. Like this amazing set of visuals that would go with it. Um and then like one of the times I saw them at Warsaw in um Greenpoint and like the they had all this like analog film and some of it they were just letting burn in like the film projector too so you would have these like images that would be projected up and then like burn away it was very it was very i stood stood by the film projector for a good chunk of the show because <laughs> i was just like i want to watch this <laughs> get a little uh, get a little contact high from like the celluloid no i just like i just want to watch the little individual it is really cool. cool i you know i i've i had an opportunity to see Godflesh. And I wasn't really familiar with them, so I didn't see them. I probably just should have gone anyway, but shame on me. I've done uh, a lot of shows that way where, like, I'm not super familiar with the band, but I know a lot of people who really love them. And I'm like, shit, this is the, I'm going to, I'm going to hate that I didn't get super familiar with this beforehand, but like, this is my chance. So why not? That's like uh, every time I've seen Nine Inch Nails, they always do like some cool visual thing. And like, I remember yeah, one time, yeah. yeah, I remember one time I went to go see them, like, they literally like just had like a dude with a camera on stage. I think it was his like art director guy. I forget his name. He's pretty cool. Um, uh, but they just had him like go on stage with a camera and just like with like some weird fucking like fucked up filter on it and just like shoved it in Trent Reznor's face. And eventually we all realized that his face was projected on the screen. You just couldn't yeah. really see it because everything was just so distorted. But it was really cool. Like huh. it was really neat. Yeah. What was that guy's name? I, I truly, I, I did not know there was a guy, so I'm going to I'm gonna look it up right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, the first time I saw Godspeed, actually, like, I didn't know anything about them, but they were opening for Nine Inch Nails, and, like, the oh, I saw Barclays that Center. I saw them yeah, at that tour. I the, Barclays Center, like, listed, the Barclays Center listed their, um, their set times wrong, so we showed up for, like, the last 10 minutes of the Godspeed set, and we were pissed. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, but it was, but I also like, I'd never listened to Godspeed. And then after that, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> like, I'm, so. I, I did like, you know, the, 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 I did literally give it the college try. Like, I remember listening yeah. to Godspeed as like one of those, like, you know, those college records that you always yeah. listen to. So, like, that and like King Crimson and all those kinds of like sort of those cool, those cool rock and yeah. roll records. Um, I just remember I saw them at at the Prudential Center in New Jersey, and yeah. uh, I went in after all my other friends did because they had like I don't know early access or like you um, know like pit, pit seating. Yeah. So I got really hammered, and uh, I don't remember a lot of the Godspeed show, but I do remember just being <laughs> like, "This is so fucking loud." <laughs> yeah, it it's insane. they're they're loud as shit, but it's it's so good um and it's like i don't know there was like it's like nothing i'd ever heard um but at the same time it was like very familiar i don't yeah. know um like if you if you ever saw 28 days later that zombie movie yeah great like movie one like the main song that's playing in that like opening sequence yeah. is a godspeed song yeah yeah. Yeah, that one I know. Um, but yeah, I would like to maybe not be like completely yeah, hammered if I ever saw them again. <laughs> yeah, right. definitely, definitely helps to 
to be in the right state of in like, the right state of mind yeah well they shouldn't have they shouldn't have let me gain access to like the vip bar that i did not have vip at treat like yeah, well, like pass for <laughs> no they just i'm like my seat's here they're like well you have to go through the vip i'm like but i'm not vip and they're like just fucking go it's fine that sounds fantastic though just fucking go through great. the vip it was great they didn't give me a hard time it was awesome um so in terms of like your uh you know since we're talking about music um like what were your earliest experiences with music and you obviously that they go hand in hand but um it's like what did you cut your teeth on um i so i my dad used to play guitar um or still plays guitar but my dad when i was a little kid would like play guitar and like we would like sing um so i like i grew up singing i was a pretty serious like choir kid kind of singer in high school but not like show choir shit more like the classical stuff so yeah um I did a lot of that but then but so I was always trying to like find stuff to listen to that was kind of like weird and interesting so I guess like initially when I started trying to find stuff on my own it was like you know classic rock um you know uh I like a lot of kids I fucking loved the Beatles um and then (laughs) No, but like I, I got like you know a couple of Beatles CDs. I thought they were the fucking best. Um, there's a whole chunk of Abbey Road that like still is just like burned into me somewhere. Um, but then I, I started to kind of look into that stuff on my own um, because I was also like a weird theater kid. Uh, I remember my parents had the um, the vinyl concept album for Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> um, but I maintain. That like some of that is fucking heavy as shit. Um, the dude from Deep Purple was yeah, he was uh, on the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the Heaven on Their Minds, um, which wasn't that guy. The dude from Deep Purple's Jesus. Um, but the the Heaven on Their Minds from like the original concept album. I remember being like, oh, this is really cool. Um, I'm pretty sure like somebody from us. I, I read like one of the singers for Black Sabbath briefly was somebody who was like I prominently in jesus christ superstar and it was pretty funny yeah because that was yeah that was um i don't know you know i i I just it's funny because i kind of came to metal a little on the later side because i just Mm -hmm. like never the stuff that my friends listened to that was like metal in high school was like not shit that i was interested in i i could probably relate but you were not like into the stuff that your friends were into metal wise yeah, I mean, like, the stuff that my friends were into metal-wise in high school, because I, like, graduated in 2006, it was a lot mm-hmm. of, like, the radio shit at that point. Yeah, um, more radio-friendly material. It was just bad. Like, I grew up, I would listen to the stuff that was on, like, the local alternative stations. But, you know, it was, and and I did like Evanescence because I was a weak teenager, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I grew up in sort of, like, the the um like resurgence of like that pop punk emo shit yeah I and was so like right that there. was a lot of the stuff that i was listening to um but like that mixed with like i don't know um like the the sort of indie rock of the time um because mm-hmm. that was sort of my bread and butter before like because i i had fish i'd figured out how to do mp3 blogs which r.i.p mp3 blogs they used to be a really great way to like get a couple of tracks and you know check out some music that you'd never heard before yeah. um but yeah i don't know like because also i think i was like in the like 
LimeWire, like, Kazaa kind of era, we were all making each other mix CDs. So, like, there were albums that we loved and listened to, and, like, you know, I was fucking obsessed with Radiohead. I'm still fucking obsessed with Radiohead. Um, But, like, as far as, like, albums, I didn't really connect to a lot of those at first because I was just so busy making mixes for people and, Mm -hmm. like, listening to the mixes that my friends made me, which I think, like, is a cool way to, you know, get access to some music. But, you know, then come college, I, like, started being like, oh, shit. So, like, albums, those are a thing. Like, this is fun. So, you know sort of a roundabout way of getting into the the music discussion I don't know I was always into it it's just a matter of how I was able to access what Mm. college radio was what did it for me it was just like going into college radio and realizing that like oh there's like this whole other world of music that you really don't know about yeah and it's like you know it's the underground and Mm -hmm. it was uh cool because I think like in between I don't know what was I the was, college radio? System? I was on, I was at Manhattanville College and it was okay. WMVL before it got shrunk down to MVL uh, mm-hmm. for like, you know, some stupid copywriters. There was like another like radio station in, I don't know, somewhere in like the Midwest and they yeah, were that, like contacting us. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. It was, um, it was fine. We just adapted anyway. And like nothing ever happened to it. But like that was, that was where like between 2009 and 2013 that's when like i feel like the underground was starting to make more of a of a presence making its presence known yeah because suddenly i'm talking to like my friends and i'm like shocked that somebody's like oh yeah like like mastodon and yeah. yeah and mastodon was already like pretty fucking huge at that point yeah but, i remember know, actually yeah. they were like one of the first metal bands where because like yeah. when i when i went to college like so in high school i was always like sort of interested in like heavier music but didn't really have an entry point and was just kind of like not looking into it on my own um but then like um when I went to college I I was friends with my partner before we started dating um and I was like you know about metal like tell me about metal this is something I'm interested in um and I remember like Macedon's Mother Puncher was like one of the first songs where I was like oh this is fucking cool like I get this this is fun I need more of this so you know I don't know that was in like 2006 or 7 or something it was definitely like like tail end of senior year was like tuning it occasionally tuning into like when you get like a friday off or like you have a day you have like a weekday off somehow and you know tuning staying up late and like tuning into headbangers ball and being like man i hate most of this but i like a lot of the rest of it and then you know you come back and you realize that you like all those bands that you fucking hated back then because you're like why do they all sound like cookie monsters and their guitars are all like distorted to like drop d and you know they have And they all have the same music video where they're like sitting in like some fucking like abandoned studio, like just kind of like with a weird filter and stuff. Yeah, and there you realize was a, they have no money <laughs> to make yeah. videos. There was a Patton Oswalt bit at one point about like hair metal music videos and how all of the bands would be in like a factory that makes sparks. Yeah, and then it would like <laughs> cut away to like some girls who were just like really far away, and then it would like cut back to the dudes in the factory that makes sparks, and then like the women are like way far away, and then. I don't know it that that was something that always kind of made a, a, an impression on me but like I remember waiting I remember staying up really late um because I 
was just always kind of like a weird night owl and I would stay up very late. No one else in my house would be awake. And I was really into like music television at that point. Cause I think at that point, MTV too was still playing music videos. <laughs> and yeah, like, uh, and you could find some like yeah. decent stuff on later in the day. It's like when yeah. Q10, like, I don't know, Q1043, the New York's the classic rock station, like after 11 o'clock, they play some heavy metal and it's like, yeah. I'm your host, Eddie Trunk. And it's like, oh, Eddie Trunk, you're lame as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing is like the, the, the Boston radio stations had heavy music were kind of eh, for the yeah. most part like it was like waf was like the new metal like heavier station and then like wbcn was like the and that was actually like my first concert was the wbcn river rave when i was 15 um <laughs> but it was like dropkick murphy's good charlotte headlined but like then like saliva played and like cool. beck and like jane's addiction played at like two in the afternoon and i had no idea who they were like that kind of shit so like just sort of like a mishmash. It was a ridiculous mishmash. Um, and like in Not retrospect, in, a cool way. in retrospect, it was like kind of in a cool way. Like if I'd known what I was doing, I probably could have seen a good show. Yeah, but I didn't. So I saw like the used and the Ataris. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I was fifteen. Mistakes were made. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna. I I wouldn't bust your chops over that. <laughs> The Ataris just play like the Boys of Summer cover, like that's 10 the only times. song of theirs that I saw. I like got there late, and that was the only song that they played. <laughs> I like saw the end of their set because awesome. yeah. Well, we got I was lucky on a very cause... short leash. So. Well, we got lucky because WSOU in New Jersey is like still a pretty huge radio station uh, for metal, and but uh, but yeah, I didn't really start tuning into WSOU until like I was in college, you know. Yeah, and I didn't even get it up by me. The reception was such crap but eventually yeah. you get well, it. And it's funny because like Boston does have sort of a scene for that but like I wasn't allowed to go to shows for the most part um because mm -hmm. my mom was like afraid that someone was gonna kidnap me in a parking lot or some shit like that I don't know so like I would only be allowed to go to shows if I like went with friends to an all-ages show where like someone's parents was, were gonna be there and I didn't have a cell phone until I was a senior in, in high school so like you know that was yeah. not a thing either but like at that point I was interested in seeing like Ben Folds 5 and Rufus Wainwright and like are you gonna get abducted at like a Rufus Wainwright concert yeah with all the fucking creeps at those yeah um <laughs> I guess that's yeah. fair <laughs> I mean, like, I, ugh, my friends were going to see, like, Against Me and shit like that, but my mom was like, it's in a school gymnasium, like, what's the fire code? You're not going, so. Well, yeah, I, honestly, well, if, it's, if it's pop punk, I could be convinced that there were some, like, scuzzy guys there. Oh, God, certainly, and, like, really, it's for the best that I never went to the warp Tour or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, was, what, that great white fire that, like, killed a shitload of people or whatever i think that was in providence at a club in providence and like i grew up like half an hour from providence so my mom was always convinced that if i went to a show like someone would use pyrotechnics and then like the whole club would burn down with me inside it so oh oh like literally like the band great white yeah the band great white yeah, yeah. I was like the great white fire i was like yeah, that yeah, yeah. An incredibly dramatic event. No, and it no, no. Is. The band Great White, who also I think were responsible for a super spreader event this past summer somehow. 
Oh, like they did. Yeah, I yeah. I think they did like show. a live show, and then well, I don't know. Was Trap Sky there too? <laughs> Probably. I think they played that like ridiculous um festival, like that motorcycle festival in the Midwest that ended oh, up that being thing, responsible. Like, yeah. Yeah, I remember when all the articles hit about that, and I was like, "Great, thanks a lot, you bunch of thanks fucking rednecks." But yeah, I don't know. Then when I went to college, I like started realizing that like for like ten bucks, I could go to the First Unitarian Church in Philadelphia and like see a band in a sweaty basement and so you know i just started doing that all the time tons of bands have played there that's like oh yeah like just an insane amount of bands have rolled through there like a lot of people i've talked to that have like lived in this area of the country bring up first unitarian church yeah i saw still see pictures from like shows from back in the early 2000s late 2000s from that it's crazy well yeah because like i i wasn't there for this but i know like uh a lot of like relapse bands would do like long festivals in like the basement in like the first unitarian church and like my partner grew up in philadelphia so he like has all these like i think that there's some dvd of one of these festivals and you can like see like 15 year old him like running around in the front with like blue hair and yeah but yeah so like i don't know philly i think was really helpful for that i saw all sorts of cool shit there and you know, got used to going to shows. It was great. I miss shows. I miss shows too. <laughs> so I had just, I know you've done, obviously done a lot of work for a lot of different bands, but I just jotted down a few that just jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, obviously you talked about uh, your work with Piron and yeah. your partners in Piron. Excuse me. Um, but And you're saying it correctly, which like, kudos how like how often is it what is it what do people say like pyron pyron all the time and it's like well no but i understand why but no well no i mean if you're like a fucking you know chump like me who like reads enough weird like comics that have like like that too yeah or any anything that has like oddly spelled like character names and whatnot you know whether it's like star wars or fucking i don't know like hp lovecraft or like literally anything you you figure out rules for how things probably are pronounced yeah so yeah piron so like um did you start working like with piron before that i don't remember maybe you said you did so Piron has existed for slightly long or slightly less time than I've been with my partner. So mm. I am the cover artist that they've always had. Um, I designed their logo like it's dorky shit. Um, <laughs> but I, I love those dudes deeply. They're like my buddies. And I'm really sad that I have not seen any of them in a while. <laughs> but, you know, such is life. Um, yeah, but I started working with them. Um in like 2000 i don't know they needed a logo at some point so i made one and it was a huge pain in my ass but it's a very cool one with the uh, the one r yeah with all the like weird little swoopy shit yeah Um, it i probably wouldn't do it the same way and it probably doesn't really fit their sound at this point anymore but like i don't know i have a soft spot for it Well, it's, I mean, it seems like it was like probably a very like formative, important, like yeah. sort of cornerstone for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, and this is a band I've been meaning to find out of and like listen to just because of the name. Um, like, so as somebody who just like, you know, loves like Godzilla movies and creature features, like anytime I see a band that has like, 
any kind of like reference to like it could be like fucking anything like you know there's a band called gojira like well obviously i'm gonna listen to a band called fucking gojira i'm obviously like even if i wasn't like super into metal like i'm obviously going to listen to bongzilla i think i know who you're about to say but i'm yeah um you know like uh there's another band that i found about called infant island which i'm like you know i don't even know what this is gonna sound like but i'm gonna check it out and not all of it's for me um Actually, I'm not going to say Gigan because I am familiar with Oh, Gigan. I love Gigan though. Um, I, I have been worked I, for I will Gigan. Revisit. I will revisit them yeah. because I think at the point when I listened to them, I was like, maybe not super into like tech death. Um, yeah, I mean, like that's not for everyone. That's fine. But anyway, also hella cool name. But like, you know, when I see a band called like Yautja, I'm like, wow, that is like hardcore. Like that's pretty it's so good beaten path but it's also like pretty cool and i don't know it sounds cooler than if you were like hi we're xenomorph like that's a lot of that's a lot of syllables they so if you have never checked them out i strongly recommend it they are also one of my favorite live bands um they're one of those bands where like i saw them because they were recommended to me but i hadn't really listened to them much um and then they were now yeah (laughs) Well, and then they were touring with Interarma, and, like, I'd seen yeah. them a bunch, and I like them, obviously, because, you know, they're great, but also I've done work for them, and, um, but, um, yeah, no, so then I saw Yaucha, and I was like, oh, holy shit, this is fucking awesome, um, and they do have a new album coming out this year, so your timing Ooh. is really good. I'm gonna add that to my list right now. Yeah. I, I don't know when it's coming out, but it'll be on Relapse, so, um, it should be fucking awesome. They're great. I also, they're just wonderful human beings. So, um, you know, on that level, I know we all are at this point, like Googling bands before we commit to listening to them. Cause we're, you know, not trying to support Nazi bullshit, but. <laughs> hey, I just read a great people. article about that. <laughs> so, yeah. But they're, they're, they're also just like really and truly no one's doing anything quite like them, which I think is also really important and special yeah i'll definitely check them out so and like speaking of inner arma um you know and if and and if you're a follower of this podcast you will know that a caroline harrison uh designed inner armor t-shirt was recently uh given out as part of a prize oh, yeah pack. that's right yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh so hey shout outs to jerry jerry farrell out there he was the winner of it nice. um and uh he was very excited about the package but yeah uh that was a shirt that uh, was uh, kindly donated from an anonymous source. I won't say who, um, but and it, it's in good condition, I promise, and very cool. And uh, it was clean, but yeah, it was a very cool design. And uh, Caroline was nice enough to share that on uh, her social media page and, and point out that that is um, basically not in, you know, it's not, it's not in production anymore. anymore. So that was mm-hmm. that tour run or whenever it was from. I actually don't recall when it was from off the top of my head. It was shit it was 2009 no 2018 i think Mm -hmm. i want to say 2008 okay no 2019 yes i don't know time is weird it was recent no it was 2018 because um i yeah because i had a conversation with um because the concept is uh for a specific andrew song called blood on the lupins um and i was in la for a bachelorette party 
<laughs> um, and like at the end of the bachelorette weekend, like Inarama happened to be playing and I was like, I just need to not be around a million women who are all very nice people. I just need to be in like a dark room with loud music playing. Um, and so like I talked to Mike at that show and he was like, I have this idea. It's not really in your wheelhouse. And I was like, well, now I have to do it because fuck you, I can do anything. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was 2018. Well, that band rules. I've seen them they're a great. couple of times now. Yeah. And uh they're they're pretty great. They are they're a pretty tough like genre to pin down because there's a lot going on there. And uh, I don't really care. I'll just call them a yeah. metal band, and they're really awesome at what they do. Yeah, I'm a big fan of stuff where like you can't really pin down the genre. It's got like a little bit of everything. Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean the songs are like they're long enough to appeal to like a doom crowd, but they're like they're also like just kind of really like, fucking well written. Like yeah. yeah, like there's not a whole lot of shit that you when you're listening to that where you're like wow they didn't need to do that like the the way that they write songs they're fucking annoyingly good at it yeah no they're 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 stupid good and uh really cool band they're like what they're as i joked about the other day like they're like there is like a they're like one of those bands that could open for sun without like aping sun style yeah and and they've like it's funny because they've gone on like extended larger tours i think one of the one of the things that i was supposed to go to before the pandemic ruined everything um is they were going to play a couple nights with deaf heaven yeah Uh, i was thinking about going to one of those shows too yeah um and like it's not the first time they've toured with them i think they toured with carcass at one point i want to say I mean, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Unless it, it, it might have been Cannibal Corpse. I forget. They toured with, like, some, like, really big pack, and this was before I, like, had really distinguished between the two bands. <laughs> death metal was a hard sell for me. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm on board, but, like, it took 10 years for me to, like, really kind of get, like, the, the guttural, like, poop man vocals. Um, <laughs> poop man. <laughs> not a term that I came up with, um... That's a new one for me. I just always heard Cookie Monster, but like Well, Cookie Monster, yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those things where like because I I was interested in like metal stuff like musically, but like the vocals were always like a real tricky sell for me. Yeah, Um, I was always a clean vocal guy, which is why I was into like a lot of like prog metal for a while, and then yeah, I never really got that one, but um, they like with a lot of the death metal stuff like I still don't really care about like the super low end gutturals but um a lot of the way that I end up like that I ended up picking up like ways to describe this stuff is just like the dumb in jokes of like my friends so like I'll I'll be like oh yeah like poop man vocals and then I'll realize like nobody calls it that (laughs) except for my like weird ass friends that is one thing I love about heavy metal is that it is uh even though like heavy metal fans are very get very defensive about it like they're so ready to like just make fun of the things they love too it's also like it's silly at the end of the day yeah like you're seeing like it depends on the subgenre like some subgenres do take themselves very seriously and those are like the less fun ones in my mind but um like i don't know you'll be singing about like fucking wizards and dragons and shit or like 
disemboweling somebody like in like the most ridiculous terms you can think <laughs> of like it's not like there are people who make it work as like serious art um and like they make it work real fucking well but there still is this like I think there's something inherent to the genre that's just like a little silly like you have grown men making like weird like noises like yes you can make a really powerful artistic statement in that but like I think you have to kind of have a sense of humor about it too because at the end of the day you're making fucking cookie monster noises oh yeah absolutely like i always just like joke about like being like working from home and saying how much yeah. i like it because i can listen to my horrible like stupid nonsense music because it's like you put that on for most people and they're just gonna be like oh this is just like i like how do you listen to this you know yeah. well and one thing also that i think is sort of um I haven't found this to be like universal, but one thing that I've sort of noticed, at least with like friends and bands that I've gotten to know, is like a lot of the stuff that they're writing and like a lot of metal music in general is about like really heavy, like no pun intended, like really like weighty topics. And it's like really like dark, like difficult shit sometimes. And I think if you like spend all of your time there and like don't have a little bit of a sense of humor, like you're just like setting yourself up for just like a, a bad time yeah exactly um, and so like a lot of the a lot of the people that i know and that i've gotten to know through like metal and bands and shit like that are just they're really fucking funny yeah <laughs> they're all they're, wonderful like, funny yeah people. super funny like i you know like i i just think of like my friends in sunrot and i'm like oh this yeah. band is so ready to like just dunk on itself you know? Yeah, and those are those are people where I like I don't know them well, but like I've I've encountered them and they just seem absolutely delightful and hilarious. Like so, you know. Par for yeah. the course. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, I guess like, you know, speaking of like of uh sun, you know, yeah. you've you've done uh, a, quite a few sun things, I think, at this point, right? So, sort of, yeah. Um it it was funny because I got invited to be part of this art show in Boston in 2017. Um, and it was like a group art show um, that was all pieces somehow inspired by Sun's music. And so like I made a thing for that. And then like I reposted it on Instagram at one point after Sun had joined Instagram and they saw it and they were like, oh, hey, do you want to do a t-shirt? And so that's how I did the t-shirt. And then that drawing got turned into like the flyer for when they played Vitus. Oh, so one of the best shows I've ever been yeah. to. I had to fly out for work like the next morning at four and I still like went and just like sat there and then like ran away immediately afterwards. But it was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. We did like we had a busy week. Not the yeah. first time I brought this up, but we did like Sun at Brooklyn Steel, which was great like also yeah, yeah. a wildly different show um but a but a very but still like a great show and uh then we did desert fest for two days which oh, was right. yeah, yeah. which was like which was like uh, like not like exhausting but you know but two days Any yeah. festival is a fucking lot so yeah and then uh and then you know we just like had to do it when they yeah. announced vitus uh and they and they fucking made a mistake anyway. So we all knew it was happening and like we had to go. So like, and yeah. it was so awesome. I forgot they put the Vitus date on the back of the tour shirt. Yep. That's what they did. That's yep. Okay. Yep. 
and uh it was yeah it so was the eagle, super the funny eagle eyed among you like knew to look out well for that. yeah i didn't see it but like somebody did my somebody my, my girlfriend sarah like loves sun and mm. and so like when sun announced brooklyn steel she was like i wonder if they'll do something at vitus just because they're in town and because yeah. they and as far as far as i know up until that point hadn't played vitus they don't quote okay yeah, yeah. i'm gonna say I don't quote you, they would not. Yeah, yeah. so it was like a big deal for them to be back in new york and doing like an actual like tour you know like because yeah. i guess they hadn't they really done... very often no like, they, they tour but like it's they're not like road dogs in that sense they're, they'll do tours when they put out an album but they're not like they don't have yeah. to no. and they do like fly-in shows and stuff like we saw yeah. them at like we saw them in psycho las vegas which was the first time i saw them and it was even more fucking bizarre to see them and like yeah i'm like this like is weird, weird. Yeah, yeah so that was cool just from like oh they're in like a big ass room now you know so which is which is pretty neat uh and then when that you know show dropped it was like this is a big fucking deal we kind of mm -hmm. really need to go and it yeah. was it was just really neat um yeah and we like walked in and you know, steven and greg are just hanging out there and i was like do you want to say hello and she's like no just go in the room <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's also my approach most of the time i'm just like oh i'm just gonna be bothering somebody i'm not gonna talk to them so if i ever run into you at a show after this and i don't say hi it's because i'm like in the corner being like i don't want to bother anybody so that's okay that's you'll probably you'll probably meet my girlfriend <laughs> hiding in the corner perfect you'll meet her Wonderful. before you meet me um, i've made many many friendships is <laughs> hiding in the corner afraid to talk to anybody else yeah nah i drives her crazy uh, she's just like so have you like made friends with the band yet and i'm like yeah of course like you just talk to them. so yeah it, it's funny we're very different like that um but and then uh, you also did a piece for Cool Keith, and Cool Keith yeah. has this interesting crossover with metal that I think is pretty interesting. He actually put out a record, I think, like... With Phaeton. Yeah, with Phaeton. That's what it was. And it was pretty neat. Yeah, well, so, and it's funny, the, so the way that I ended up doing that was because um, that the Yaja release that I worked on um, was put out by this, like, amazing small label called Anticorp. Um, mm. And the guy who runs the label is in Phaeton. Oh, okay. so, and he, um, he's also this like absolute wizard at, um, etched vinyl. Like that's kind of like his specialty is that like, and I didn't know this was a thing until I, cause I didn't have a turntable until a couple of years ago. Um, uh, he, they, when they were doing the, the Goucher release, they were like, oh, and like, we want to do like an etched B side. And I was like, oh, what, <laughs> um, <laughs> what is that? How do I, how does one, um, so like, it was this like really cool thing that I got to do and Dan did a beautiful job Dan the um Phaeton guy did a beautiful job so uh yeah and then the cool Keith thing happened and he was like hey I've got a record store day release with cool Keith do you want to do it and so I was just like are you fucking kidding of course I do oh that's dope so yeah that was a cool um, one and then uh I've like mentioned it at the top of the episode uh you did the like Saint Vitus special mask wear and all part of their gofundme which was you know wildly successful and it, it was gofundme right it was, it was kickstarter actually or kickstarter um, yeah and i uh so i actually i do the like social media and marketing for vitus 
Okay, um, that explains done, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and I've done it for a while. Um, I think I'm coming up on like seven years, maybe. I wow. Know. I don't know. It's like it's one of those things where like I did. It's it's helpful when people don't know that it's a woman on the other end of the DMs. Yeah, I mean, like, so, yeah, like, really... uh, like I've, you know, like before, you know, we used to buy. So is that you when it's like tickets half sold out? Usually. Well, it depends. Um, it, it's like a, it's a thing that I do like part time. Um, mm-hmm. They just like, I was always at the bar cause I was shooting for Brooklyn vegan for a little while. So mm-hmm. I was like showing up to concerts and photographing them. And then like, I lived in Greenpoint. So then I would show up again and uh, they were like, well, we don't want to do this part of the business and you're <laughs> young and can use computers and we've been bartenders for our entire professional career. Do you want to do this? And I had to get adult braces at the time and they were expensive. So I said, yes. <laughs> that's funny yeah because i've you know i've seen some of like the comments back in like those you know ticket buying like you know facebook groups and it's just like jesus people like calm if down you, yeah if you ever see someone very patiently explaining like no there's no mass conspiracy that's usually me <laughs> um yeah it, every like some of the updates in the events would have been the other guys um just because like we were doing events every day and when I started doing it the shows were like it was like a bar and a venue and not just like a venue yeah so the events like the sh- there would be a couple shows a week and then like it turned out being it, it ramped up and became like shows every night most nights so they would help out in like the events and stuff like that but yeah I don't know the a lot of a lot of fun fucking customer service moments but most people are actually pretty nice so yeah i feel like if it's like you know if you kind of like live in the area and you go like you know kind of like what what's what yeah don't i'm yeah this is a dangerous road because then i'll just start yelling about like politics (laughs) (laughs) all right well so fine real real intense uh deep question here sure are you actually the one behind gritty God, I wish. And, and this is only because I was just like looking through your Instagram because I'm like, I have to, I have to know what to talk to her about. And I'm like, no, I, there's I, a lot of gritty in here. There's a lot of gritty in there, but like, I should, I think a lot of gritty would like make the world a slightly better place. Um, I agree. I like gritty. I'm not a Flyers fan, but I don't give a shit about hockey. That is a beautiful thing. Gritty. It's much better than the New Jersey Devils Devil, who is really yeah. stupid. Uh, I think if I were gritty, I would have been harboring, I would have been like hiding an athletic person, athletic abilities my whole life. But because <laughs> like gritty can sink a basket from half court. Yeah, he can just Obama that shit all day. He He's like, actually, like whoever is behind the gritty costume, I'm sure it's like a couple of people, but is like genuinely like an, like a properly talented, like physical athlete. Yeah, that's not easy. I'm I I am covered in bruises that I don't know where they came <laughs> where from they came from because I just walk into shit all the time. So I got I'm up today and hurt myself. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, what did you do? Did you drop something? No, I just got up. No, like literally, like every time I'm like, I don't know, like if I wear like a dress, like 
I don't know, I was a bridesmaid in my brother's wedding. And for the entire, like, two weeks up to it, I was like, don't bruise your shins, don't bruise your shins, you're wearing a knee length dress. And then like the day before I like walked into something, gave myself like a goose egg <laughs> and broke the skin. Aww. It's fine. No one noticed. No one was looking at me anyway. So who gives a shit? Fair. Um, well, you're not at, well then if you're not the one behind gritty what you are behind is um you are part of the age of quarantine sessions yes. that are done through saint vitus which are uh t just like this podcast an, an interview series uh but it's something that vitus started at like uh the beginning of the pandemic to you know provide something to mm -hmm. the fan base well it's um it's chris enriquez's brainchild mm -hmm. um he came up with the idea and then was like, Vitus, you guys have a platform. Like, I'm sure you're looking for content. Um, would you mind letting me do this? Uh, and then um, Dave started hosting some episodes, already started ho hosting some episodes. And then I was kind of like, hey, like, what if I talked to artists sometimes? Because you guys are talking to fans. Like, what if I got some mm -hmm. special Sunday stuff? So, um I did like two artist ones. Uh, I filled in on the inner armal one um, just because I know that guy. Um, and then I did like one other photograph. Yeah, um, Ebru Yildiz. Um, she's an incredible photographer in the Brooklyn music scene. Um, and then they were like, hey, I don't know. Do you want to do this more regularly? So I did Ken Mode last week um, for the interview. Um, they're awesome um i've done some work for them they're like i don't know if you i i don't know if you listen to them but they're like yeah they're 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 pretty cool they're a pretty cool yeah. band um they're, they're kind of hard to pin down but yeah cool, cool which band. i like they like, kinda, just, like always in their own <laughs> like just always was like what is ken mode like what is the mode that is of ken Kill but like everything now mode yeah, well, yeah, it's, it took it's, me a while um, to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, it's the Henry Rollins thing. So, yeah, he would go into kill everything now mode in Black Flag. All right, now I get yeah. it. So it's a, it's a Black Flag thing. All right, well, I just uh, will you turn in my Black, my Black Flag fan card now. <laughs> I think it was mentioned in, like, one of the, like, Henry Rollins diaries kind of things, too. So okay. it's not like it's, like, it's not like a... You have to like do some of the additional reading, I think. I don't know. Yeah. See, this is just because I like am around people who've been steeped in the culture for so long that know all this like crazy minutia, I just kind of like get to like sponge it all up. Yeah. A lot of fun, weird shit. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's a great way that, you know, my girlfriend's like, yeah. I'm not really super tired. I'll just start talking about it. And I'm like, oh, you're sleeping. Great. This is awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I, I talked to Ken Mode last week, which was fun because I just like, well, I talked to Jesse and Shane. Did mm -hmm. not get to talk to Scott. Scott lives in another province. Um, Jesse and Shane are brothers. So like, easy to get the both of them. Um, but I like, you know, they're one of those like types of people where I like only would get to see them when they toured through. And like kind of like other friends were like I would only get to see them at shows like there's yeah. this whole group of people where I'm like all of a sudden like wow I haven't seen you guys in like a year or longer like that's fucked up so um basically I'm gonna be using it to just like punish my friends <laughs> for a bit <laughs> I mean this like, is I miss you. let's talk yeah I mean this is like I started a whole other podcast just to do that yeah 
you know, just so yeah. we could go on like two and a half hour rants about horror movies. Sure. Yeah. And like the, the age of quarantine thing is helpful because there's like an hour cap, basically. Yeah. Um, or like to an hour cap. Not everyone does that, but I try not to Zoom exhaust some people. So, um, but yeah, it's like a, a combination, I think, for me of like getting like friends to talk to where I like miss them. Um, but then also like getting to like talk to them about their art, which like you don't always get to do, which is really fucking fun. Um, and then like talking to people just that I admire. So, yeah. you know, tomorrow or not tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm talking to this woman, Ellie Gill, Ellie Jo Gill, who's an artist, um, an illustrator and tattooer. She lives in Richmond. She's done a bunch of work for some folks. Um, she's just all around pretty fucking awesome. So I was like, hey, will you let me talk to you about how fucking awesome you are? And, <laughs> that's my pitch. Yeah, that's my pitch is like, I'm like, look, I will make this as painless for you as possible. And just like talk about how cool I think you are. And then like ask some questions about how you got to be so cool. And I'm not like, I'm not like a, a structured impartial interviewer. I'm just like trying to fill an hour talking to some people that I like, you know. That's all I'm trying them. to do here. Yeah. It's fun. It's like casual, which it's like, it's nice. Yeah. I'm kind of a, a baby at it, but you know, having fun. Yeah. It's like, they don't talking to people like on, on this level is nice because it's like, you don't have to get all like stiff and worried because yeah. it's like going to be a big published article, unless you're just someone who doesn't give a fuck, but like, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I try not to give a fuck. I don't always succeed, but I think they, there's a point at which I'm like, not super afraid of public speaking, which I think helps. I don't know. I definitely, I know I've got somebody coming up who's like a little on the shy side. So I'm going to try and like gently coax them into being like a beautiful, effusive flower of a human being. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, do you have anything else uh, in the works that you want to like promote or uh, this is your time to just plug anything really? I mean, I don't know what I'm allowed to plug right now. I, I, I have things that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about yet. Um, so just keep an eye on my Instagram, I guess. Um, that's one of the things is like, you, whenever you're working on something, like there's a point at which you're like, not allowed to really talk about it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's understood. You know? Well, yeah, especially when it's like your visual art, you know, you can't really yeah. like put it out I there. I post like little detail shots and shit, but like, I can't tell you what it's for until you I'm do the classic, to... like working on something neat. Yeah, <laughs> you show, like, like a line, just, like a tiny piece of it. Um, you know, like that corner looks amazing. Yeah, like check out this detail where like you can tell that it's part of a face, but that's about all you've got. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, a shirt for a band that I love. Um, some album covers for bands that I'm not super familiar with yet, but excited to kind of get to work with and uh yeah i don't know i will say if you are in a band and you are listening to this and you ever want to work with me the easiest way is to hit me up through my instagram account um i basically read all of my dms and get a test the podcast happened because of yeah. this <laughs> but no like i've gotten some cool work that way like um 
I did like a shirt for portrayal of guilt. It's this um like great cool kind of yeah. Um, and that Insane was just band, but <laughs> they're lovely. They're lovely people. Um, and so you know they hit me up on the internet, and I was like, oh, I don't really know what your music sounds like, but hell yeah. And I found out what their music sounds like, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, I made a cool choice. So. Yeah good band i got a buddy who's like not he's you know he's sort of like i listen he listens to a lot more broad kind of music yeah. than i do but he really likes that band he likes he likes that and like just like he loves death metal he loves the death aesthetic metal. of death metal yeah. so yeah I, I don't know i mean like i definitely also have a bunch of people where i would like recommend that you follow them just because they're wonderful but i think i like post a lot of those people um uh, I do have a, an art account where I like post art that I like. So if you're ever like, I want to learn about some art, um, I have an Instagram account called Proxy for a Pulse, which is named after a beauty pill song, which is another good band. But they're like more of like a weird art pop indie thing. I don't know. I don't have a good description for them. That's okay. One of, it, it will eventually get one. They're they're also like a weird genreless kind of yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, keep listening to stuff, keep supporting artists if you can, um, and that's not just like visual artists. I mean, like bands and shit. Um, and yeah. easy ways, yeah, easy ways to do that if you are currently hurting for cash, which I know a lot of people are. Um, I want to like just be aware of that, like engaging with their shit on social media, like leaving a positive comment sharing their stuff like it goes a long way people notice it and yeah and especially because instagram changed their the way that they <sighs> change it yeah yeah it it is going in a kind of shitty direction so your, then, yeah. your hashtags don't mean as much now so yeah it's been going in a shitty direction for a while but also like you know it's just a, a necessary evil of the industry yeah like but that's a whole but that's a whole whole other uh, podcast discussion that we can save now. for the <laughs> side podcast maybe at a later date we'll we'll dive into some yeah. life discussions with caroline and in a few months and you know <laughs> see like, how still alive? <laughs> yeah yeah as we're crawling out of like the looming like uh, dumb civil war that the country could oh. be breaking out into oh, it's been it's gonna be several years of this shit so you know Oh boy. Well, buckle up. We're in for another uh, good few months of sitting on our yeah. asses still until we get yeah. that hundred gajillion doses of uh, mm -hmm. vaccinations Vaccine. over here. Got to get yeah, that dollar juice, man. That's what I call yeah. it. The Dolly Parton oh juice. I'm stealing that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, if people, if, if they didn't say if it was a vaccine, but if Dolly just said, if you take this, Dolly will love you forever. I think you'd get a lot of people on her side. Which like is kind of pathetic that we need Dolly Parton to do that. But like, we also have Dolly Parton. So, you know. Yes, exactly. So, well, on, thank you so much for note, taking the time, dude. Oh, no problem. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for, uh, thank you for your patience uh, as I got home. But yeah, definitely check out all of Caroline's stuff and, it's all very cool and very and very grim and gross and awesome and, and you impressive. should check it out definitely follow her on instagram and and heed her heed her advice about supporting uh local bands especially um and and other bands otherwise but yeah, yeah. Bandcamp fridays are coming oh, yeah. back 
And... They are coming back. I'm, I've got my shopping list ready. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I already did like a, a Bandcamp Friday for January just to make sure I, I picked up some stuff along the way. But Oh, and Bandcamp needs your support too. Like it's it's great yep. that they're doing all this stuff, but like their business model is not viable unless people buy shit on days other than Bandcamp Day. So Yes, of course. You should be encouraged to support your favorites regardless. But yeah, go follow her on everything and uh and check out her, you know, just if you're a follower of St. Vitus, obviously check into Age of Quarantine. It's really cool. Um, and uh, is there like a, um, a archive of all the videos? Yeah. Um, so all of the, like in total, they're all on Chris Enriquez's YouTube page. Um, yeah. Okay. They kind of get put up on a delay, but partway th- into starting Age of Quarantine, um, all of our live videos just got automatically archived to IGTV. So the IGTV tab on the St. Vitus Instagram page has everything going back to May, maybe. So, yeah. All right. Just poke around. You'll find some good stuff in there regardless. Yeah. And if you're looking for it, just message the Vitus page and don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Keyword, don't be a dick. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank you for coming yeah. on again. I really appreciate it. And I uh, really appreciate it, Yeah. And uh, stay safe out there. You too. And that'll do it for this chapter of the diary. are you what are you drinking and what are you drinking it out of um i'm just drinking uh, a cider but it's out of a ridiculous skull stein that i bought at one point awesome